Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis, and Tom Terrace. Welcome one and all. Good to be here. Thanks, David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. And before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us to see how God wants to speak to us through His His Word, His love letter to each of us? Absolutely. And, and, and as we'll hear, the first few words of the gospel, filled with the Holy Spirit. So Amen. let's invite Holy Spirit, Father, Father Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of your Word. And Lord, we sometimes wonder, God, are you, are you speaking to us or do you ever speak to us? And you, and you gave us this love letter that we call the Bible, your word. So help us to be docile, to be teachable, moldable, um, to, to following, to seeking, following and living your will. And dear Holy Spirit, we invite you into our conversation. Fill our hearts with your, your wisdom, your understanding. And as we leave our sharing together and as, as our listeners go on about their day, fill us all, Holy Spirit, fill us all with your courage to be Jesus in the world. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the, the Father, Father, Son, the Son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Sure. This is a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live on bread alone. Then he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a single instant. The devil said to him, I shall give you all this power and glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I may give it to whomever I wish. All this will be yours if you worship me. Jesus said to him in reply, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Then he, said to, then he led him to Jerusalem, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him in reply, It also says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love the first line, Rob. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit 
into the desert for 40 days. But here's the part that really got me, to be tempted by the devil, that God allowed through the Holy Spirit to lead Jesus just as God allows us to be led so that we can be tempted by the devil. I thought, what are you trying to teach me here, Lord? But then I came to realize, you know, God does allow. The devil can do nothing that God doesn't allow. God allows us to be tempted by the devil to show us our weakness so that we can be made strong in him. As we turn back to Christ, as we seek God's strength, it's in our weakness that God is strong in us, with us, and through us. So as we are tempted, when we fall, we realize our weaknesses, our shortcomings, where we, don't, where we aren't purified yet. And so for me, it's, it's all about what Scripture tells us, that call to be holy, as the Heavenly Father is holy, to be perfect, the Heavenly Father is perfect. We are called to holiness and perfection in, through, and with Jesus Christ. And you know what? It's done a lot of times by the enemy of our soul tempting us. And every time we have a victory, it's not we who defeated the enemy, it's Christ within us. And so we never take glory for that. We always say, thank you, Lord, for helping me. And if we do trip and fall, so when we go back to God and we repent, we say, please forgive me, Father. Cleanse me and strengthen me that I don't fall again. And that's the, the beauty of the sacrament of reconciliation we in the Catholic Church have. Scripture commands us to confess our sins to one another. And thank you, Lord, for the gift of the yes of the priest that we have, that we can go and we can confess our sins to that beautiful man who has said his yes, who is the minister, as the Scripture tells us, the minister of the sacrament that oath of reconciliation. So for us to go and to confess our sins to that safe man who then is just the representative of God the Father. He is the embodiment of Christ to us. We're confessing our sins and through the grace of God, we receive that absolution, that cleansing when we truly have that uh, contrition of the heart where we truly have that sorrow and that that want to not sin again. So man, for me, I, I I want to go every week, every two weeks, every three weeks at max so I can stay clean, so I can always reflect the beauty of Christ to every person that I meet. And so for me, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and be docile to that Spirit, being led where the Spirit wants to take me so that I can become perfected in Christ, so that all that's within me that is not of God can be purged from me. And I want to go through that period now in my time on earth, so that at the time of my death, I'm fully united with Christ in heaven for all eternity. And, and as we start our Lenten journey, uh, we're called to, uh, to, to prayer and fasting and almsgiving, you know, to kind of, like Emerald would say, kick it up a notch, right? Kick it up a notch. I was in a school this past week, and we were uh, just doing something with the kids. We were talking about the Super Bowl and uh, different commercials, and I would ask the kids, you know, what was your favorite commercial? And as soon as the one, you know, that I was, the answer I was looking for was given. Uh, one child would always say the uh, puppy, monkey, baby commercial. I don't know if, if you guys saw that. It's the Mountain Dew. It was like a, a part puppy, part monkey, part baby. It was like, you know, like some silly jingle that they did, but it was advertising like three ingredients or something with, with Mountain Dew. And he kind of break the ice with the kids and they're talking about that. And then he say, well, we're entering Lent. What are the, what are the big three in Lent? And then we get them 
you know, we lead them down the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Then we did a uh, a game with them. These are you know kids in elementary school where you know they would have to fold their hands for prayer, uh, cover their mouths for fasting, and then put their arm out for for almsgiving. And then and I would just say it real fast. You know, almsgiving, prayer, fasting, fasting, almsgiving. And whoever messed up would sit down. And then I would interject in between rounds. I would say, all right, if it was a you know a group of fifth graders, they have prayer partners, you know, all the different grades. I would say, all right, fifth grade, who, what grade are your prayer partners? They would say, oh, second grade. Okay, if a second grader asked you, what is prayer? How would you answer that? That they would understand it and they would start talking about it. They say, oh, we're you know talking to God. I say, okay, good. What else? And they would say different things. And what about listening? Is that important? Yeah. So then we would talk about it. So as we enter this time of of Lent. Um, I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to, to guide me where He wants me to go in my prayer life, especially because sometimes I, I feel that I'm not meditating enough. You, know, you, you go through the motions and you do your prayers and you get, kind of get your rosary and you get you know, even, even Mass. Sometimes you go through that without thinking. Uh, but to truly take me to a place where I'm listening more, that I'm breaking away, that I'm, I'm getting that, that quiet time, that one-on-one time with the Lord. So, uh, you know, so as we enter into this, this uh, uh, this spring training, this training for our spiritual muscles. Uh, just asking for the courage to go deeper in prayer, uh, to more be more courageous in fasting and more generous in giving. I think one of the great understatements of the scriptures is that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert for forty days. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. Mm. Yeah. Like, of course he was hungry. You know, every time I read that, I think, of course he was hungry. He didn't eat for 40 days. But uh, the interesting thing about the pattern that these um, that these temptations have is that, you know, in the first one, um, the devil says, if you're the son of God, it's almost as if the devil's trying to you know, trying to figure out who this guy is. You know, if, if you're the son of God, does this do this, command these bread. And then Jesus says, it's written. And then he says, he takes him up to, you know, uh, to show him all the kingdoms. And then he says, I'll give you all this if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus says, it is written. You know, you shall worship only the Lord your God. And then the devil says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Now the devil quotes scripture <laughs> for it is written. Mm-hmm. Here's it. Take that. And then Jesus says, but it also says, so he kind of one-ups him. But then at the end, the devil says, or the the scripture, the the gospel says, when the devil had finished every temptation, it's almost like he had a game plan here. He carried it out. He, I want to, will he bite on, he's hungry. Will he bite on the stones thing, you know, to, to, to do the bread? That's a physical tempt, you know, temptation for physical um, satisfaction. Um, will he bite on this, on this, uh, the world? I can, I can give him the world. Will he bite on that? He, he didn't bite on that. He didn't take that one. So, and he countered it with scripture. And then I throw this thing out, you know, where I ask him to throw himself down the spiritual pride that God, you know, God will take care of me because I'm God's special boy. He'll take, you know, and he doesn't bite on that. And then and there's a zinger at the end as he quotes scripture himself and says, you should be able to do this because you're the son of God. It says in the scripture that, you know, that it is written. it's taken. Yeah, it's written. And then Jesus kind of counters with it. And and then he leaves. It's kind of like, OK, I, I guess I got some data here because it says then the devil finished every temptation. He departed from him for a time. And we know he comes back in the in the Garden of Gethsemane in the form of, you know, temptation there. But um 
But he shows up throughout Jesus's ministry in the form of people who are possessed by demons. So, yeah. so it's almost my, a, even my boy Peter. Yeah. So it's Get even he's him. just like probing here. I just want to see who this guy is. Is he for real? And he throws these temptations out, and then he says he departs for time. And yeah. I also like I'll Je- be back. You know? Jesus's humility because he allows the Spirit to lead him into the desert to be tempted, or he has to fast, which isn't easy. So Jesus might have been tempted not to want to do that, but. But also, I, I found it interesting that he doesn't dialogue with the devil. He just answers the question that is asked, and he quotes scripture. He doesn't yeah. start to get into a conversation with him or anything, um, yeah. you know, trying to, you know, show off his brilliance. Of course, he's God and all that, yeah. but he's just very humble and just answers the question, and that's it, you know. And I, I love what, where you were going with this, Tom, and, you know, where Jesus always says, it is written— it is written, and then you quote the enemies, for it is written, and Jesus says, but it also says, but what we're seeing here is the fact it is so important for us as Christians Christians, to not, to not just know about Jesus, but intimately know him through his word. We need to digest the word of God daily, the sacred scriptures, the Bible. It is the blueprint, God's love letter for each and every one of us to get us home. It's the blueprint of how we're to live our lives and to combat Satan because Satan knows Scripture. He quotes it here to Jesus. He knows it inside and out. And a lot of times he'll use bits and pieces to confuse us, to confound us, to send us in a wrong path. You know, I was thinking the other day, you know, one of my friends who's not Catholic had said to me one time, well, why do you call priest father? Right here, let me show you this in Scripture. It says, Call no man father. See that? You're breaking what the Bible tells you. But see, if you know the Word of God in your heart, you can say to that person, but it also says that St. Paul is a father in Christ. Our priests, just like St. Paul in his letter, I believe, to the Galatians, says he's a father in Christ. So, too, are each of our priests fathers in Christ. In fact, the Bible shows us and calls Abraham father. So please be careful. Don't accuse us of doing something. Let's work together and let's probe sacred scripture. We agree. The Word of God, the Bible, is the inerrant Word. It is without error. It is meant for teaching and reproof and edification. So for me, I've got to digest the Word. I've got to know the Word so that I can truly have that tuning fork of the heart that when somebody shows me something, or like Satan did here, and somebody innocently did to me, quotes me something from the Bible, I can say, oh, but it also says. And as a Catholic, I believe truly we need to not only know the Bible in our minds and in our hearts, but live it every day in our lives. Because the Bible is the Word of God. The Word of God. God is love. Jesus enfleshed that one Word of God. And we are called also, just as Jesus did, to enflesh the Bible, the Word of God, so that we can be those vessels of God's love to the world. So for me, again, know it. And I think that's really what Jesus meant here when he said that man cannot, when he's quoting scriptures, man does not live on bread alone because we are both human. We have our physical needs and hungers for bread or whatever. We're also beings. We're spiritual. 
So we can only live spiritually if we truly indeed feed our spirit. And that's daily. You know, we eat, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, have a couple snick snacks. Well, guess what? We should do that spiritually also. If we eat food, we should also spiritually eat at the same time so that we have ourselves that balance as a human and as a being. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you said that, David, because as I'm reflecting on the liturgy of the hours of which, uh, you know, um, I, I pray some of the you know morning prayers, evening prayers, night prayers, but there's a morning prayers, there's a afternoon, you know, there's a noon prayers, and then there's evening prayers, and that's kind of like the main courses, but then there's mid-morning and mid-afternoon, so there's your snacks, and then there's a, uh, you know, like a, a real, um, like a real foundational uh, reading, um, excuse me, a prayer time, which is called the, the uh, Liturgy of the Word, where you basically, uh, the, the, uh, you're uh, reading the Psalms, and then you have two main readings, one from either the Old Testament or New Testament, and one from a church father. So there's, uh, there's a whole smorgasbord there for, you know, for anybody that, and, and a lot of our, um, you know, our priests and our, uh, and our um, monks, our cloistered sisters, pray all seven of those all day, you know, and they'll pray around the clock. They'll get up at 12 o'clock midnight and pray, go back to sleep and get up early morning and pray. So it's almost like we're being fed around, we're, the opportunities are to be fed around the clock. And if we do pray, um, but that's one place to start. The other thing is just to have your own personal reflections, to say the rosary at a certain time of the day, to, you know, read the scripture at a certain time of the day. And, uh, and two, I think about the experiences I have with, um, you know, with some of the, the teachers. We do the, we have the Catholic school program where we take gospel reflection and stewardship of leadership out to them and how their lives in some cases they've related have been deeply affected by the word of God. And it really gives you an appreciation that when people do spend time with the Word of God, it's not just, you know, ink on paper. It's really a person. Jesus, you know, the Word of God, Jesus comes through, and, and he does this transformational work through the words, you know, through people taking it to heart, dealing with difficult people, how to be more patient, how to be understanding, how to be, you know, how to, how to you know, stand up for my faith when I'm being challenged, things like that that have a transformational effect on people. And it grows out of the Word. It grows out of their reflection and their cultivation of the Word, like we're doing here. Yeah. And Tom, what you shared, do not dialogue with the devil, that rang and resonated with me because my spiritual director one time, I went with him and I shared with him a, a, a spiritual battle that I was going through with a person who my spiritual director then informed me that was oppressed by the devil and not, not, not possessed, but oppressed. And so what his counsel to me was, which is exactly what Jesus demonstrates here, is don't dialogue with the devil. You won't win. Instead, share biblical truth, it is written, and let it go. Don't dialogue with the devil. That's like taking the bait. He's got you on the hook. He's a smarter being than you. He, you will never beat him because that's what I was running into. I was like, this person, it's like they know what I'm thinking. It's like every time I say something, it's this, it's that. It's, he said, stop, stop. You'll never win that battle. You are dialoguing with the devil. The sword of truth that we are to wield is the word of God. Bible tells us that. Jesus here says, it is written. It is written. He didn't, he didn't come up with his own solution, his own answer, his own whatever. Even though he was God, he went to the Word of God to defeat the enemy. 
That is why in Ephesians 6, it says to put on the armor of Christ. Part of that armor is the sword of truth. The sword of truth is the word of God, which is which which separates bone from marrow. Why? Because it's to pierce the heart of the person you're dialoguing with. So for me, it's like, wow, do not dialogue with the devil. And that's so important. When you're in a dialogue with somebody and they're not healthy and they're not, and they're out to hurt you, harm you, mock you, mockery is not of God. Condemnation, not of God. Go to the word of God, speak truth and let it go. Because once you're engaged, he's got you. He's just going to toy with you. It's meant to distract you. It's meant to wound you. And you won't win that battle. So, again, that was really interesting. When you said that, I went bang right to that moment of spiritual direction with uh, with my spiritual director. And I went, wow. I it remember. reminds me of the quote, I think, from Padre Pio when he said, the devil's like a, a raving dog on a chain. You know, just don't go near it. Uh. You, know, you can just watch it, but, you know, don't. So it kind of re- reminds me of what you said, you know. No, well, the not... key is what, what, I, what I learned in spiritual warfare, you know, as I continue my journey is the enemy has no power unless you give it to him. How do you give it to him? Fear, pride, envy, jealousy, unforgiveness. They're his tools. They're his portals of entry into you. So unless you give him the power, the enemy can only tempt. It's what Jesus went through. And a temptation is not a sin. An image that comes into your mind that perhaps is something you looked at you shouldn't have or whatever is not a sin. It's what you choose to do with that image. Do you follow what I'm saying? A thought is not a sin. It's what you choose to do with that thought. Through your will. So that's why the Scripture says capture every thought. You know what I'm saying? Capture it. You know what I mean? And then discern it through what? The Word of God. So again, for me, my goodness gracious, I thank the Lord for the gift of the Bible, the Word of God. Man, St. Jerome says, ignorance of sacred scripture is ignorance of Jesus Christ. If you don't know the word, you truly don't know Christ. So man, let's, brothers and sisters, let's break it open every day and continue to let God teach us so that we truly can be like Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then that word, docile to his leading, so he can take us where he needs to take us on our journey to help others or to be helped. And, and the devil's so cunning <clears throat> that he can even use our Lenten exercises to tempt us into pride. Oh, yeah. To go, look how, you know, I'm, look how much I'm fasting. Look how, look how much I'm praying, right? Um, so we have to be you know, just ever on guard. And, and he, so he fasted. Jesus fasted for 40 days. And, and this past week when I was talking to the kids about the why behind fasting, why, why, why? You know, look at Jesus. He, he had to say no. Do you think he was hungry? Absolutely. Just like us, are you hungry sometimes? And when you're reaching for that candy bar, is that candy bar a sin? You know, if it's just a candy bar, you're not eating, you know, 100 of them. Uh, is that candy bar sin or is that pretzel that you're going to get in school sin? Or is that video game? If it's a you know, decent video game, is that, a, is that a sin? No. But if, you, if we can train our bodies, right, that if we can show our bodies that, that we can say no, that our will, Tom, you mentioned will, that, that we can say no to things that are good or morally neutral, then when we're going up, like Jesus was going up against the devil, when we're going up against temptation that could lead us to sin, then we've trained, like the Super Bowl athletes train their bodies to prepare for the Super Bowl game, we can train ourselves and our spiritual muscles to be able to say no through God's grace, right, and his strength to say no to temptation. So it's... Um, you know, it's just a, a great opportunity that we have. And, and I was 
just jotting some stuff down as you guys were talking regarding temptations, and we pray at Mass in our, you know, in our thoughts, in our words, what we have done, what I've done, what I failed to do, that the evil one could tempt us in all those areas. Oh, absolutely. That if we don't speak an unkind word, but we think <laughs> unkindly about somebody, you know, that's still an area that, that we can pray for, that we can ask God to help us in, in, in our thoughts. Um, and if, you know, if sins of omission, like where you're walking by someone that could use help or you, know, you see the dirty dishes in the sink and, and you don't, you know, you, you know, just as a silly example. But, you know, if we omit opportunities to love, right, then you know, that's another temptation towards, you know, towards laziness or, uh, you know, not being as charitable as we could. So you thoughts, know, words, actions and omissions. And it's interesting because this, this yesterday I was reflecting on, on a little thing the Lord was giving me, and it's this. Jesus was tempted throughout here. God allowed the temptation, but God never uses sin. That's a tool of Satan. So God never uses sin, but God can use sin for a good to help us to help us to to recognize once our we've, shortcut. Once, once we've, we've chosen, yeah, yeah. once we've fallen. So that's an interesting quote. Is is God never, ever uses the tools of the enemy sin? Okay, once we've taken a bait, we've fallen to the temptation, we have sinned, but God can use that fall, that sin, to help teach us how to not fall again, how to help others not to fall. So it's an interesting twist on words, but it's a, it's, a, it's a profound truth. It's that, oh, happy fault when Adam fell that brought Christ, the salvation of the world. And don't they say that, oh, happy yeah, fault that's, on, yeah, that's um, on the, uh, that's Holy on the, Saturday? They... Yeah, that's the uh, liturgy of uh, Easter, you know, uh, the uh, vigil mass yeah. at Easter. So it's, God didn't uh, cause yeah. that first sin of Adam, yeah. but right. he used it. But to, he used it. And that gave us Jesus. Yes. You know, yes. Well, and that's that's what I think the theologians mean, or, well, I guess what the scriptures mean and the early church fathers when they talked about Jesus used death to to uh, kill death, you know, because, because again, that it's just like uh, Adam's sin became a source of, salv- of our salvation and a greater demonstration of God's mercy. So... Death, God didn't take death away, but he redeemed it. He, he turned it into from being something that we fear and that we worry about, you know, when we die, the lights go out, it's all over, the game's over, to being our portal to him. That's where we go to union with God because, it, because that's the thing that Jesus did was turn that thing of fear into an instrument of love. And so, and that's what we participate in. When, when we're baptized, we're baptized into that. You know, that whole, that whole symbolism of the water and being, you know, immersed in the water and coming out as a new person in the white robe. That's all part of the symbolism. So it is a happy fault. It is a, you know, God doesn't will that, but He permits it because He probably knows that down the road He can create a greater good out of it. Do we love God as much when, you know, if you think about it, in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve only had good things. So, um, you know, do you love me? Yes, I love you because I only get good things from you. And But what about when things go bad? So, Awesome. Well, thank you, Tom. And brothers and sisters, let's just continue to seek that Holy Spirit and his guidance in our life so that we truly can be life changers, world changers, instruments of God's love. God bless each and every one of you. Bye-bye now. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. 
We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him. Thank you.